Welcome to the official podcast of ToyPhotographers.com, where we talk to photographers from around the globe about turning action figures, Lego, miniatures, and more into fantastic works of art. Hi there, and welcome back to the Toy Photographers Podcast. We're back with the fifth episode in this special eight-part series focused on toy photography from a beginner's perspective. My name is Terry Green Henning, and I'm again joined by Ariel Figueroa. We are your hosts for this special series. Hey, Ariel, how are you? I'm doing good, Terry. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, so, so far, we've chatted about how we got into toy photography, the cameras and gear we use, our favorite toys to photograph, and considerations with regard to indoor and outdoor settings. If you haven't listened to those first four episodes, we'd love for you to go back and have a listen. Toy photography is certainly a journey, and Ariel and I still consider ourselves to be at the beginning of ours. It's the first week in December as we're recording this, and Ariel just passed his year mark as a toy photographer in November, correct? November 20th, yes. Excellent. Well, happy anniversary. <laughs> so am I, is, that con, is that still considered a newbie, or am I intermediate now? Like, <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still a few, a few weeks away from my year mark, and so... Um, and when I get to that point, it'll be the finish, not only to the year, but to my first, but not last, 365 Daily Photo Project. And I definitely still consider myself a newbie. And to be honest, I kind of hope I always do. Um, but that's, that's you know, for another episode of reasons <laughs> why. <laughs> so we're having a blast recording these episodes. And I think a lot of that enjoyment might be due to the fact that our styles and even interests when it comes to toy photography are so different. And, and I think, you know, as, as much as I hope others are learning um, from our conversations, I certainly am as well. So I just wanted to put that out there before we got started. Definitely. I'm learning as well. So after we finished recording our last, last episode, we realized that there was so much we didn't get to, namely a discussion of more of a specific discussion of backgrounds. Um, we kind of dabbled in the conversation with dioramas, but today we're going to continue that discussion and also chat about effects and lighting. And there's so much around all of these topics, and we know we're just going to be skimming the surface, but but let's begin. So Ariel, I'm going to start with you, as I always do, um, as you were the one who first pointed out that we didn't get to everything we wanted to in that in that last episodes when it come in that last episode when it comes to scenes and dioramas, and you certainly have more experience in, in that area than I do. So so dig in, you know, where what didn't we get to? What do you want to make sure that we we highlight? Yeah. So, yeah. So after the last episode, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I, I mentioned uh, when it comes to the uh, dioramas, the the cardboard printed dioramas, like <clears throat> excuse me, like um, extreme sets, um, which is a very popular one, um, and also uh, diorama prints, uh, which is another one that I just recently found, uh, which I've also enjoyed. Um, so along with you know the the foam actual real diorama building that is also really cool that a lot of uh, a lot of uh, artists on Instagram do. Um, the one that I forgot to mention uh, is uh, I, I, and I don't know if this is the term for it um, like a digital wait oh, now now I'm drawing a blank but it, it's a digital dioramas. Um, so pretty much it's just the background is just a display with an image on it. And I've seen uh, quite a lot of photographers use that, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, quite a lot of photographers use that as a, as a good background for their images. Um, I, when I first started, and I, I saw this when I first started, uh, couple, you know, when I first started, you know, I'm probably November, uh, November, December of last year. Um, the uh someone was using just like a you know probably maybe like a 27 32 inch uh monitor uh had a scene of a like a city scene in the back and the the picture came out amazing i was like oh that sounds so great and this is when i i actually i think this is when i started uh looking more into indoor photography as opposed to doing stuff outdoors <clears throat> so of course i gave it a try and it was an utter failure. It just did not come out right. It looked horrible. One was lighted, the other one wasn't. It just did not come out right. 
um, to the point that I kind of like gave up on it. And then, you know, scrolling through Instagram, I saw another photographer using it. I was like, you know what, there has to be a way. So let me go back into this and see if I can figure it out. I've done a couple. Um, I've gotten better. And but there's a lot of challenges to it. You know, it's um, <clears throat> to make it look, I guess, believable um kind of thing like some tricks that i've learned along the way was and again this is just my opinion i don't know if you know anyone listening that is way better at doing this than i am um will disagree with me again this is just my opinion something that's worked for me um placing the display as far back as possible to make it uh to give it a good i guess uh feel that that type mm-hmm. of effect um like you know bringing down the the, uh, the dimness on the display so it's not so bright um trying and this is the difficult part trying to light the the scene so that it kind of matches the, the you know the the digital background so you know so when you take a picture it doesn't look like it's you just put something in front of a, a television screen mm-hmm. and now you're taking a shot of it. Um, so, so uh, what was the other one? Uh, lighting, uh, again, when it comes to lighting, not placing a light in a certain where, in a certain place where it's going to reflect off the screen. Mm-hmm. So, cause I did that a couple times <laughs> and I've had to remove it in Photoshop. Um, just, uh, you know, didn't notice it till I started editing that it's like, oh, damn, the light, I can see it on the screen. Crap. Mm-hmm. So paying attention to that. Um, so these are all just little things that I've picked up from other photographers and just stuff that I've done my own, kind of like a trial and error, um, to, to a moderate success, I would say, mm-hmm. when it comes to what I've done. Um, i hoping to get better at it. But it's it, it's 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 definitely the trickiest one I would say out of using you know foam dioramas or um, printed dioramas. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's definitely the the most challenging just because of the lighting, which segues perfectly into right. lighting. <laughs> so kind of so actually, before we we jump into that. Um... When you're pulling up, when you're, because I've only done this a couple times myself, having you know an image in the background on a on a screen, um, are you pulling up an image offline? Like, what is so? If you're mm-hmm. using a monitor, um, what's the image, or where are you getting that image? I, I mostly just do a Google search for something that, you know, for what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. So, it's like a graveyard scene, then graveyard something okay. like that um yeah. i mostly put keywords in there like background um backdrop um uh you know png kind of thing so okay. it's not like an actual um real life image i don't know mm-hmm. um so and high resolution like a, okay you know, you definitely want to get a very high resolution one, depending on the size of your screen. Like me, I just use like a 24 inch display. Okay. Um, but I've seen, you know, uh, uh, behind the scene videos of photographers using like their TVs. So like mm-hmm. actual 55 inch square, you know, 55 inch TVs and things like that. So you definitely want to get a very high resolution one. So it doesn't look very pixelated when you try to give it a full screen. Mm-hmm. So my experience doing this is um, pretty minimal, but I, on one photo, I thought I would try to take a photo with um, the Pixar characters from from Luca. I don't know if you've seen that that film. And yes, I have. Love okay, it. <laughs> love it. So great. And so yes. I I looked back at some photos from a trip I had taken to Rome and I was like, you know, it'd be really cool if I could find one of those. I knew I had a photo of like the cobblestone street and buildings and the perspective was such that, you know, maybe I could situate the characters, right? So it looks like they're standing in the, you know, in the town square in the middle of the street. And I, and I liked how that one came out, but, and maybe that's one that I'll add to the the show notes, but that is not something that I feel like I do well or, or even 
really want to experiment more with only because I haven't figured out a way to make it look as realistic as some other ways. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I had some printouts, printed photos of mine. So I've actually only used my own backgrounds as backgrounds, if that makes sense, my own photos. So, you know, a landscape shot and some of them look cool. And then others like, okay, that was a nice experiment, but not something I want to do again. <laughs> so I'm That's always, was, look- yeah. yeah. So I'm always looking to see what people are doing as well. And, you know, all this to say when it comes to setting scenes inside, outside dioramas and props and sets there, you know, sky's the limit. It's, it's really, uh, in my opinion, it's just a lot of experimentation and, it is. you know, developing kind of a, a look and a style. And we keep going back to lighting, but that's huge. And that I think affects everything, every choice we make. So it really does. It really does. Lighting just seems to be the, you know, the, no matter if you're outdoors, indoors, using dioramas, using a digital display, whatever it is, like mm-hmm. the lighting is key and that's just yeah. when it comes and that's just I, and that's just comes when you know any kind of photography not just toy photography but mm-hmm. you know portrait photography or landscape photography anything like that lighting seems to be extremely extremely important yeah and that is you know i think if you ask a dozen photographers i'm guessing the majority of them would say lighting is or understanding lighting is just as important as understanding composition. And prior to toy photography, you know, I think we had mentioned in in previous episodes that your photography journey started, you know, with your toys and where mine, you know, preceded my my toy collection, I guess. So or my toy journey. And so I really had never focus primarily on lighting. Like I never really paid a whole lot of attention to, to lights and external lighting because, you know, if I were taking candid shots of my family, if I were taking landscape shots, it just worked. You know, I, I wasn't trying, I wasn't in low light situations. And if I was, I was making up for that or compensating for that by shooting wide open. And so I was using the camera to, um, to really make sure that the lighting worked for the image. Then I moved into toy photography and I'm like, holy cow, this is a whole other, you know, beast. And I, I, in addition to not owning toys in the beginning of January, I didn't own any lights. And and so that has certainly been, um, an added expense of this, of this journey. And I think it was in the last episode that you said, you know, you're, you collect lights just as, as much as you collect toys. So that's maybe. what it feels, that's what it feels like, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. You know, I have, I have, a um, a friend, uh, I think, you know, him, Alan, mm-hmm. um, I, I think I have him to thank for that. <laughs> so, uh. So let's let's think about the newbies out there listening and and saying, yeah, do do I need to go buy do I need to go buy lights? Uh, what do I do? I know we talked about natural lighting in the last episode, but but now let's talk about those external light options. What you're seeing others use, what you use, and and go from there. Yeah. So um, from what I use. I guess mm-hmm. we'll start, you know, I'll start there. So I, ha- I have a couple different ones. <laughs> um, I would say on, you know, I'll start with the, uh, I guess, the least expensive and most common one on my little uh, work table that where I take all my shots on. I have just a regular desk lamp, a uh, regular like office desk lamp with a smart light bulb in it. So it's one of those light, you know, light bulbs that uh, can be controlled by Siri or Alexa or something like that. And it's color changing. So I can easily just open up the app on my phone and set whatever color, set whatever, uh, you know, rather I want it to be super bright or less bright. I can do all that from my phone. Um, which to me, when it comes to getting a light, personally, I prefer a lot more than like a manual one <laughs> um, because a lot of, you know, I, I'm, I'm very clumsy. So I'm the kind of person that if I try to fix a light, uh, you know, either dim it, change the color or whatever, and I have to do it manually, my elbow ends up knocking over something. And, <laughs> there goes know, the and, scene. And there goes the scene. 
Um, and for toy photographers out there, newbie, experience, whatever, you know, the I think uh, it's one of the most frustrating things is when you set up a scene and you've got everything perfect and then, boom, they fall down. <laughs> it's, ah. It's horrible. So um, I try to stick as, you know, I try to stick with remote stuff. So that's the most basic one that I have. Um, I have a can, little... I, can I ask who makes that sure. the smart light bulb? Is that just like a uh, GE type thing? I, I think mine is a Philips one, but okay. there's Philips, GE makes one. I mean, there's tons of different ones. You know, I pretty much just got it off, an Am- off, of, off of Amazon. And it's just a regular, like, looks like a regular light bulb. Just a regular light bulb, just a regular light bulb that, you know, uh, at least the one that I have connects to your Wi-Fi. Um, Some require hubs, some don't. Um, So the ones that require hubs, added expense kind of thing, but uh, mine just connects directly to the Wi-Fi. And And what kind of colors can you get from that? Oh, every color there is pretty oh, much. Wow. I, can, I can pretty much get any color. It, it pulses if I want it to pulse or flicker. Or it's 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 a pretty good one. It was only like maybe like 12 bucks, 12, 13 bucks on Amazon. Okay. Um, you do know after this episode, I'm going to go on and be checking those out. <laughs> yes. Yes. I will, I will send you, I will send you uh, the link to where awesome. I got mine and we can add it to the show notes if That'd anyone listening is uh, interested. Um, so that's like the most basic one that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when it comes, we'll, we'll move up in price, I guess you could say. So that's the cheapest. The middle row, the 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 other ones that I got are, I don't even know what they're called, but they're from a company called Ulanzi. Okay. U-L-A-N-Z-I, I believe is how you spell it. Um, and it's just, you know, little square portable um, lights that, again, um, different colors, uh, different temperatures, so from very warm to very uh, cool. Um, uh, again, different colors. I have two of those. Um, those are not Bluetooth or not wireless. They're straight mm-hmm. manual. Um, so those are the only, and I pretty much only use one. And when I use it, I kind of like just have it on my camera. So I have it, you know, attached to the. Uh, I forgot what the name. Oh, of the that. hot shoe. The hot shoe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I have it attached that way, so that if I do have to change anything, I can just do it right from there without getting close to the scenes. <laughs> um, so I have two of those. Uh, moving up, I had a Loom Cube, so just mm-hmm. one of those, just uh, one of those Loom Cubes. I had two recently, just sold one, um, because the next lights that I'm going to talk about have become my favorite. Um, but uh, I do love the Loom Cube as well, you know, control it by the app mm-hmm. and the accessories that the Loom, the Loom Cube comes with. I think that's my favorite part about it. It, ha- it comes with a little snoot mm-hmm. so that I can attach to it and really focus in on, you know, maybe like a face or, or a weapon or a hand or something like that for the figure. Um, it comes with barn doors, mm-hmm. which is uh, really, really helpful. And it by itself is just a white uh, color, a uh, white color. But if you want to add colors to it, then it comes with little, uh, I guess, gels that you can mm-hmm. attach to it to, to add different colors to it. Um, I mostly just use that Loom Cube as my key light mm-hmm. kind of thing, uh, just to highlight um, the back back of the head, top of the shoulder of a certain, of the mm-hmm. figure that's in focus, the, the main character, I guess you can say, of my of my picture. Um, so I, I mostly just use it for that. Um, and then the last one that I have, and I have two of them, are, it's by a company called Aperture. Okay. But it's uh, A-P-U-T-U-R-E, and I'm pretty sure I misspelled that, but... <laughs> Um, we'll link to it. We'll link to it, of course. And um, I've uh, a coworker had a coworker has one, and I saw him use it, and I just ended up loving. It. It's about the size of a of a phone. Okay. Uh, nice rectangle size. Um, again, it can be controlled by the app, uh, by an app, so you don't have to touch it at all. Um, and I've become a I've become a fan of that. It had, you know, it. It, the colors are built in, so there's no extra gels or anything that I have to attach to it. Um, so those are my two 
the, uh, that one that I have two of, those are like my main lights kind of thing. Okay. Um, and then I also have like a big, I don't know, like a big square studio light. Okay. Um, that I rarely use. It's from my job. Um, <laughs> that no longer uses it. So I, my boss was like, yeah, go ahead, take it. Mm-hmm. Um, not to keep, but just you know, to use. So, but I haven't really used that one as much. Um, but yeah, those are pretty much the, the, the my lights that I use. Okay. And I'm always looking. And I'm always looking for more. I'm yeah. always looking for the next cool light kind of thing. So. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, my collection is similar. Um, I'm trying to think. I probably have three different kinds. And and the first, again, I'll start. I'll go the same way you did. You know, with least expensive on up. So, and I mentioned in the last episode, I had used one of those like shop boxes that has a built-in LED ring of lights Mm -hmm. at the top. So I was using, relying on that an awful lot in the beginning. And then, and then I was like, you know, as awesome as it is, and it's great, especially if you're doing like product photography, but I wanted to experiment more with, with lights and, and using them and manipulating angles and all of that. So I have, um, two lights that are probably they're they're you plug them in they're just they don't have any settings uh, uh, with them and they have little tripods so they probably stand maybe eight inches and and you can kind of maneuver the top so you can angle it you can have it straight on and they have um colored filters that you can just slide in in front super inexpensive. I got them on Amazon. They were probably $20 for the, for the pair. And I actually came across those, uh, from another photographer I follow who is a, um, portrait photographer, but also does some, uh, toy photography as well. And she, someone had posted, you know, what kind of lights do you use? And and that's what she had recommended. So I, I tried them out and I, I, that's probably my go-to. It's super easy. I have them always plugged in. And so, and I'll get to the reason why I'm stressing the plugged in piece in a second. Um, <laughs> the next piece I have, like you, I have um, loom cube style. So I have one loom cube and I have two made by Joby, uh, the company that also makes the gorilla pod tripods. And okay. I wanted loom cubes, but I got a great deal on the Jobies and, and they're basically the same except for the accessories. They, they don't come with as, as many. Um, I think if I were to do it all over again, I just would have invested in the Loom Cube. I was also looking at Litra. I think that's how, mm-hmm. I think it's L-I-T-R-A. Uh, yes. And, mm-hmm. um, but again, at that point I was just beginning and the price kind of outweighed the all other considerations. So, and I want to say it was just this incredible sale that I got, you know, two of the lights for probably I think the price of one. And so I got a larger one and a smaller one, but they're cubes, um, same, you know, very similar to Loom Cubes. And then I have two of the panels that Loom Cube makes that I love. One is the Panel Go, I think, which is slightly larger than than a phone. And then the Mini. And and those are great because they're rectangular and I can, um, they stand up on their own, but they can also go on top of my camera. They can go on a separate tripod. So I love those. And getting back to the, the plug-in, um, I, t- I forget that there's an app. So you reminded me of that. I probably should use <laughs> the app a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I find that they wear wear down so quickly. I don't know if you find that, but the battery yes. is, and I yes. always forget to charge them. So yes. if you're listening and you're just starting out, keep in mind that some of what we're talking about requires a little maintenance, you know, and, and lights, I would say, yeah, they're going to die down really quickly, depending on the power you're using for sure. But I find that, you know, I just need to keep them always charged and I always forget and then they die and then they sit on, you know, with all my other camera (laughs) stuff and I go to use it and there's no juice. So I got to be honest, there's sometimes I just go for the old school, plug it in, nothing fancy. It's always on um, LED, you know, kind of thing. But gosh, are you finding, how do you, how do you, is it just me that I forget to charge stuff? (laughs) No, it's it's me too. I, I, yeah, uh, Loom Cubes. In my experience, yes. Um, you know, the high, obviously, yeah. The, the more power, the higher you mm-hmm. have it, the faster it's going. The faster it's going to die. Um, 
I wish, you know, the one thing that I like about the aperture lights that I have is that in the app, it tells you what the percentage mm -hmm. is. And it also shows on the, the little LED this LCD display that's on it. So I, I can pretty much, I pretty much, mm -hmm. I can pretty much guess it's like, okay, I have one shot. And after this, I gotta, I gotta start charging them. Um, if anyone out there mm -hmm. knows of a way to bring that up on a loom cube on the app or something, please let actually, no, you know what? On the app, it does. I think it does. But anyway, um, okay. But yes, it's it it's definitely uh, it's definitely something that I have has frustrated me in the past. So like you, I, I mean, on my on my desk, I pretty much have like a power brick with a whole bunch of cables, yep. <laughs> USB <laughs> cables just there. So the second I'm done using them, I plug them in and I start charging. Them. Yeah. Like I don't I don't leave them. I don't leave you know after I don't care if I just charge them the day before. I'm charging them again because, and I don't know, maybe that's not good <laughs> to do it that way because it, you know, you're degrading the battery kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But um, I just find that, you know, I, I was, I've been stuck in the past where I got the shot set up, my fog machine is ready to go, I got the exposure set, I'm ready to go, lights on, and it's dead. <laughs> oh, good. I'm, like, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, now I got to wait for this thing to charge. So, mm -hmm. um, so yes, I definitely, when it comes to these um, smaller uh, lights, you know, keep that in mind that you definitely want to make sure they're charged, keep them charged. Mm -hmm. um, but like you said, that's why I like my desk, my desk, uh, my desk lamp one, because yeah. worst case scenario, if I need to just use that one. Definitely. And, you know, I don't think we've mentioned this before, but that is something I think advice for someone just beginning, create those routines where your camera's always ready, you're always charged, your card is in there, especially if if you don't transfer your photos. <laughs> Are you laughing because is this something? <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, you know, I've, I've taken pictures where it's like, oh, no card. <laughs> Well, you know, I bring this up because it's it's something that, you know, you you want your camera at the ready. And so I almost always have a backup battery being charged. Oh, almost always there's a, a battery in a current charging state. And whenever I leave the house, I always have an extra battery with me. But I can tell you that um, I say that. And then a couple weeks ago, we went for a walk. I had my camera and I'm all set, ready. And I take it out. And it has only um, one card. So my X-T3 has two card slots. And I'm like, oh, you're kidding. And for some reason, I had to figure out what the setting was that allowed me to shoot only with one card because it usually requires both cards to be, to be in. And it was just a matter of, you know, I take my card out to load the photos into an external card reader on my iPad and... I just had forgotten to put it back in before I grabbed my camera. And so, you know, if you're listening out there, create some sort of rhythm that, you know, whether it's your camera's always in the same spot, you're, you have your batteries, one's always charged, um, you've got your lights charged, and you always have your card in your camera. <laughs> and ideally, right. you know, your settings are set so that you could just pick up and shoot. So, mm -hmm. you know, then you can, so it's always in kind of a neutral setting. I, I gleaned yeah. that from um, a photographer I follow on, on Instagram or on YouTube. I mean, uh, so you were laughing before, is this something? So again, newbie no, it thing. It, oh yeah. I think it's growing pains that we've all gone through. <laughs> yep. um, so, and even if you try to avoid it, eventually you're going to go through it. Um, one, uh, one good thing that I found that helps me with, you know, especially if I, um, which is rare now, but if I was to go out and shoot a scene somewhere out and I'm like, crap, I forgot to charge, you know, the camera, I forgot to charge my light and I bring it with me, turn it on, it's dead. Um, have a portable uh, power brick. Yeah. Uh, one of those portable power bricks. Um, you know, I definitely, I, I've gotten one and it works great because I can just, you know, obviously, if you're outside, you don't have access to power, but mm -hmm. you have your power brick, plug it in, and then you should be uh, you should be good to go. So that's yeah, I would say that's definitely another thing. Great advice. Um, another and piece of advice, yes, absolutely, great, great piece. Um, I would also say it's a great idea to have the manual downloaded on your phone. I don't know about you, but yes, you know, definitely. we were we were in a park, and I 
I also forgot my phone that day. So I was a mess that day when we went for a walk. And I, you know, my husband was with me. I was like, hey, can I, can I borrow your phone? And, you know, service was spotty. And I'm pulling up because I needed to find the setting to change it so that I could just use one card. And, you know, if I had my phone, I have the PDF of the manual, just easy access so I'm not relying on Wi-Fi. So that's just something, you know, little tricks and hacks. Um, you know, I have a lot of screenshots of of different things to remind myself. So, you know, whatever your notes, you know, if you use uh, iOS and you have your notes app, it'll sync across all devices. So just be thinking, you know, maybe you want to remind yourself of of settings or maybe you want to scope out a particular location. So, you know, use the technology to to your advantage, certainly. And if you shoot with Lens Baby, you know, you're not going to remember your settings because everything is manual. And I've gotten a lot more involved with Lens Baby since we started. And, and now that's almost all I use in terms of my lenses. And I forget, you know, it's like, I, I don't write down <laughs> what I was using. I don't write down my <laughs> aperture. I don't, you know, I, sometimes I'm switching. It's like, mm -hmm. I go to load the photo. I can't remember if that was the sweet or the edge or the sweet 35, mm -hmm. sweet 50. I don't know. So so that's something, you know, getting getting used to um, keeping notes. So one of the things I wanted to mention, and this is a total shout out to, to a fantastic camera, you know, photography educator, Fuji X creator, YouTuber. Um, his name is Reggie Ballesteros. And I had taken a boot camp with him early, gosh, it might have been in the winter. And because I'm trying to kind of go back in time and I was still sort of new. And I was taking his at the same time I was doing Shelly's, um, Shelly Corbett's Creating with Intention workshop. And Reggie's was like a five session boot camp called Lights and Lines. And I have to tell you, it made me think about light in such different ways. I mean, I, I just kind of I didn't know really anything about light. I mean, it was like, I know when something looks cool, but I couldn't have told you, oh, that's 45 degree light or that, I mean, I guess I could have if I figured it out or that's backlit. Um, so he does, and I'll I'll find the YouTube video and Instagram. Um, he does this great tutorial called the hand trick and um, where you put your hand out and you kind of rotate. So your hand's in front of you and you kind of rotate 360. And, and as you're rotating, you watch the effect of light on your hand. And that's how you can see what the light's going to do with your subject. So if you're shooting, mm, um, it, it's awesome. And I started yeah. doing that and it's like, oh, okay. Because you can clearly see the light on your hand, you know, full light. And then you turn, you're like, oh, okay, that's off to the side. And, you know, instead of if you're if you're photographing people, instead of having them, you know, rotate, oh, could you just move a little 25 degrees? You know, you've got you, you you've walked around with your hand and and you can yeah. kind of see the way to the light's gonna affect that. And then what we had to do for this workshop was choose one figure. And one of our assignments one week was to take our figure and photograph photograph different light. So one was 45 degree light, one was um, front light, back light. I mean, it was and, – and to see how the light changed. And, and almost everybody was using people in this boot camp. And here I am. I used my uh, Marty McFly Playmobil figure. And so that – that series of exercises, I think, really, really helped me understand light and and moving the figure around because it's a whole lot easier to move your subject than it is to try to like move light, especially yes. if you're outside. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. certainly if you're using external lights inside, obviously you can move those around. But I'll link to that because um, he it, it was so clearly explained and it was just this tangible hands-on exercise that it made total sense to me because I'm a I'm a visual learner and to be able to visualize light was oh, okay that's what that means so is that how you <clears throat> so 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 take me uh through your setup like so because I you know with you with uh, shooting Legos mm -hmm. um, which you know the little experience that I've had in shooting Legos the hardest thing about them is you know getting the light correct because yeah. of you know the plastic it, the light just 
bounces off of them mm -hmm. and if you you might okay i had the light perfectly but now you have like a white spot <laughs> on the lego's head so how do you what what's your what's your technique like how do you you know how do you set that up so that you don't get that reflective um reflective beam coming off the lego itself Oh my gosh, I still totally get it. You know, I, I feel like <laughs> I have not at all mastered this. And and sometimes, you know, sometimes I, I've spoken about this before in previous episodes. Sometimes I just that that is not my priority. So I want to say I'll be lazy, but it's not even lazy. It's like I like the image too much to I'm not trying to be perfect here. And and I think with the daily photo habit, I I have to make a decision that you know, what means more to me, the daily photo, that habit, that continual growth or perfecting an image. And if I were to do that, I think I would probably be looking at far more time. And, you know, and I, I think right now I'm, I'm still playing and some of my best lit photos were true happy accidents. You know, yes. and I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I didn't know that that's <laughs> what was going to happen. And and sometimes, you know, I really like, I probably lean toward darker photos than that bright and airy that I don't even know. I feel like I'm still so very much discovering my style. Mm -hmm. So, and, and moving into lens baby has changed that entirely. Yes. I used to really focus on being so sharp and now it's like, oh, I like that soft look. Oh, I like that that effect. So now I'm I'm I think it's been really freeing. So I'm not paying as close attention as I should. You know, I'm thinking about the photo I took last night and posted. It's I had lit up a Lego Christmas tree with with fairy lights and positioned the minifig to where she's opening the door into the room. And there's clear, you know, light bouncing off her head and it's it's a black headpiece. It's just, it is what it is. And I'm sure I could fix that in post, but I don't want to, you know? So <laughs> I, I really, I look at what other people are doing and I aspire to, I think if there's one thing I aspire to, it's, it's nailing down the lighting. And yeah. you know, there are some dreamy photos that I'll screenshot them off in Instagram so I can have them as like a frame of reference. Not that I could ever come close to replicating them, but they're just this dreamy, soft, there's no harsh light. It's just gorgeous. And I, and I wish those folks, I'm, I'm thinking of a few, I can't think of them off the top of my head. I wish they'd do their BTS, you know, behind the, the scenes BTS, so yeah. I could see, but I don't know. Do you find how do you do it with with action figures? Do you do you have the same issues of that light bouncing or not? Not as much. Uh, there, it might happen every once in a while, but definitely not as common as if I was to use Legos mm -hmm. uh, with Funko Pops. Yes, like if I'm oh, shooting a Funko Pop, I can definitely get that. You know that light bouncing because those off, have like uh, a matte finish. So I'm kind of surprised that. Mostly it comes off their their eyes and maybe, I don't know, maybe like a hat or clothes okay. or something. But I have gotten those. And sometimes like you, I've just left them alone and mm -hmm. be like, whatever. I like the way it looks. Yeah. Um, and other times I've ha I have tried to remove them in post um, in Photoshop. Uh, some successful, some not successful. Mm -hmm. So um, it's definitely, you know, I definitely try to make sure I don't put myself in that situation and get it right from the start. Um, but when it when it comes to my technique, I mean, I'm, I, I don't, I don't have one really. Same. <laughs> I, I, I really just go, you know, I have an idea of what I want. Mm -hmm. I position lights in the way I want. And the way that I feel look right to me. Mm -hmm. um, for me, my, you know, um, again, I, I'm not, no background on photography, not, not very experienced with uh, the lighting terms. Like mm -hmm. earlier I said, I think I said I use the loom, the loom cube as a key light. Mm -hmm. That's wrong. I don't use it as a key light. <laughs> I use it as, uh, I use it as a rim light. So the okay. rim light is what gives it like a, you know, just the. That separation the between, yeah, subject between and background. Yep. Background, yeah. Um, so that's what I use it for. <laughs> um, but it, <clears throat> when it comes to everything else, it's pretty much just play around with it, figure it out. I tend one thing, and I don't know if I learned this from someone or if it's just something I picked up myself, um, because I rely heavy on 
post editing. Okay. Um, not not very heavy, but I like I like post editing. Like I really, you know, out of the entire process of setting up the figure, setting up the scene, setting up the lights, all this stuff. I, I, and not by a lot, but I think I get the most enjoyment from editing. Oh, um, wow. Okay. So I'll look um, forward to that episode. Cause I am yeah. the exact opposite. <laughs> I'm getting yeah, better. So, but. I, so that's, that's, uh, I look forward to that. So when it comes to shooting, I tend to overexpose mm-hmm. my images um, unless I'm looking, uh, unless it's something like I just posted one this morning of a uh, Batman in a gravesite kind of thing. So I, I wanted a very dark, gloomy thing. So mm-hmm. I kind of under underexpose that one. But normally on my pictures, I like to overexpose because one of the things that I learned uh, through videos and talking to people, it's like it's it's easier to edit when you have more light than when you have less. You yeah. can always take down the light, but yep. you can't really bring up the light in mm-hmm. post. Um, so I tend to, I do tend to overexpose when I take my pictures and then fix them if I need to, mm-hmm. um, in Photoshop. <clears throat> so that I would say that's really the only technique okay. <laughs> or the only constant technique that I do. Um, you know, when it comes to the position of the lights, I put them in different, I, I, I mean, I spend more time on positioning my lights than I do positioning my figures. Okay. Like it's just moving things around until I get, until I I see what I want. Yeah. How did I come about it? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Can I recreate it? Not unless I took notes. Um, <laughs> but I I I've stuck with that and it's worked out for me. Um, I always chuckle and you know just chuckle at myself when I get comments. I'm like, oh my god, the lighting on this is is fantastic. I'm like, cool. Yeah, I have no idea what I did. <laughs> I have no idea what I did, so please don't ask me what I did. Yeah. Um, because it is. So I think that's one of the things. Because yeah, lighting, lighting is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can look at. You know, there's so many good tutorials on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. when it comes, what is it the the three point light standard thing that you have your key light, you have a oh, fill yep. light, you have a key light, your fill light, and I guess the rim light. Those are the okay, three. Okay, and then you're bouncing. And then you're bouncing off yep, of something. Yep. So using like a white cardboard to bounce mm-hmm. light off of something. I mean, it, it's it, it's an art on it, it's an art of its own, pretty Absolutely. much. I, I like to say. Um, so it's it's something that you will definitely just go crazy trying to perfect. And if you talk to even an experienced photographer, I'm sure they'll tell you the same thing. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of it is. Um, you know, you've done it so many times, you know mm-hmm. where to position these certain lights. Um, or it's just one of those, you know what, I'm just going to wing it. Yep. Let me just do this. See how it comes out. If it mm-hmm. comes out great, cool. If not, I'll just maybe move this light a little bit to the side or something like that. Um, but it's really, for me personally, it's been a lot of just wing it, just put this here, put this there, how it's to look like. Cool. Yeah. No, this one's too lit up. And I play a lot with the exposure as well mm-hmm. on my camera. Mm-hmm. So if something is too bright, instead of dimming down the light, I might just, uh, what is it, bring up the expo- bring down the exposure, right? Bring down the exposure. Uh, I'm trying to visualize. Yes. You know how right? it is in reverse. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Hopefully people out there know what I'm talking about. Yep. Um, but I might bring down the exposure a little bit just so it's not as bright kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So there, there's so many different different things that you can do to achieve the look that you want to get to. Yeah. Um, I, I would just say like, try not to kill yourself over trying to get the lighting completely perfect. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, it's definitely one of those things that with practice and like you said earlier, or like you said before, when you ha- find your style mm-hmm. and you know what style, you know, do you want a very sharp image? Do you want more of a smoother image? Mm-hmm. Do you want a bright? Do you want, you know, nice, uh, low and gloomy? If you mm-hmm. stick to that, you're just going to figure it out and come up with your own technique. It might not be the technique that a professional uses, mm-hmm. but it works for what you're doing. Right, and right. At the at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. Absolutely. I think if you're just starting out, you know, 
it's so easy to to look it's one thing to admire what you see online but it's another thing to hold yourself up to that kind of example because you know that could be really damaging you you want to develop your own style and you know certainly seek inspiration and and models but at the end of the day you know work on developing your style because you and I could take the exact same figure and we could have, you know, kind of a, a shooting day and, and your images are going to look totally different because they're yours and mine are going to look totally different because they're mine. Um, so one thing, you know, with the lights, you might, this might be a great place to encourage folks to take that behind the scenes photo so that you see where you positioned your lights and then, um, you know, just kind of file that away. It's, it really... Like anything, you know, you can make this as technical or as casual as you want, but I think it, it helps to know, okay, that's where I position that light to get that effect. And, and I think I mentioned this again in a prior episode, but that's something I want to work on, you know, next year where just doing kind of the, a little more of a study of my own work so that I can see what works. Cause you know, sometimes looking at the photos that you like, that's great. But before tossing the photos that didn't come out, looking at what were my settings? Oh, okay. The ISO was too high. That That's why it was so grainy. Or, okay, this, uh, you know, I definitely have to um, bump, you know, go down an F-stop or, or whatever. So, you know, or I wanted blurred movement and I didn't. So I think that's where you can take some notes, do, you know, keep track of things and and really apply kind of a studious mind to this if you want to really drill down. I don't have that kind of mind where I can I, I laugh, you know, talking to you because I'm thinking about Reggie's workshop and Reggie's background is as an engineer and he talks about engineering the photo and and it's just the way his mind thinks and it's just awesome because I don't think that way. And I was struggling to get the the light for that assignment and I just couldn't nail this one style. I think it was 45 degree light. And he he took my photo. He did like a drawing for me and just said, "Here's, you know, here's your window." Um because it was all natural light. We weren't using artificial light. And um here's your figure, you know, here's your window, here's the table where your figure is, here's where um, the toy is in which way it's facing. And he kind of drew it out for me. So I had this, I had this like visual representation of, okay, that's how I had to position. So, and then I could be on the other side of the figure. So, you know, that was super helpful. And, you know, maybe what I'll do is I'll, I think I still have that saved so I can throw that in, in the show notes, but That'd be awesome because I, I would love when to you see really, that. Yeah, it was so cool. I'll, like I said, I'll go back and look and it, and I'll find his tutorials. And the hand thing was just so simple yet so – and I think he just posted this past week um, using a Lego minifig to do the same thing, to, to hold okay. the minifig and, and turn it around and, you know, you're playing with how the light plays off. So, and when you nail lighting, I mean, you can see it. It's like, wow, mm -hmm. that oh, yeah. looks awesome. Yeah. I make, very make, rarely have that. <laughs> <laughs> it makes a huge difference. It makes a, it makes a huge difference in the, the, you know, the, the finished, mm -hmm. the, the finished outcome of your photo. Um, one thing that I would also want to add as some advice, um, you know, because one thing that I found when, looking up lighting techniques for toy photography there wasn't much uh yep. there, there, there was a there was a there was a lot of uh there, not a lot but there was a good amount of lego ones yeah um not as much uh not as much for like action figure ones um so what i what i've done what i did and what i continue to do is on instagram um a lot of photographers, uh, you, you mentioned you mentioned before the behind the scenes shots. Mm -hmm. They post their behind the scenes shots. You know, see, you know, look at those videos and see where they position their lights. Yeah, you might not be able to see what strength the light was in. If they were, you know, um, if they were bouncing off a card or mm -hmm. something like that, they might not show that. But you know, you get a good idea by seeing where. You know, if you look at this at this image, and it's like, my 
man, this is exactly what I'm trying to capture yeah. in my shots. See if that photographer posted a behind the scenes, mm-hmm. um, and then figure out see where they put where they uh, position their lights. Uh, if they didn't reach out to them, I've reached out to the photographers on Instagram, and I they've all been great. They've all reached reached out uh, reached back to me and said, "I try this, I do this." Funny thing, a lot of them say, "I just wing it." <laughs> so <laughs> like, there you go. There's really no. <laughs> there's a, I just move things around until I like the way it looks. Oh, like, that's awesome. I've gotten a lot of that, um, and also um, if you're looking for more to, video tutorial things. Like again, I, I couldn't find really much on YouTube when it comes to toy photography lighting, but portrait photography. Mm, mm-hmm. um, I think that translates very well to it because it's uh, the majority of the time it's one subject that you're trying to capture. That's where I got the you know I mentioned before the the triangle lighting, the three mm-hmm. the three things of lighting. I forgot what it's called actually, but um, that's where I got that from. So you can actually get a good uh, basic understanding mm-hmm. of if you position this light in front of the character, you're going to get this effect. If you position another light on the other side of the character, this is what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So looking through those videos, and I looked through a bunch of them, um, really helped trying to figure out, okay, I know I'm not going to place this light here, so let me move it to yeah. this. Or like if I'm looking through the viewfinder of my camera and I see a weird, I see something that I don't know, I can almost exactly pinpoint, okay, it's coming from this light. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Instead of like trying to, okay, where, which light is this coming from now? I, I can almost, and that's thanks to those portrait videos that I found on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so that, so I would definitely recommend looking through those mm-hmm. just to at least get a good understanding of how light, how to light up a subject. Definitely. The subject might be different, but if you're still trying to light up a certain subject mm-hmm. and that should give you a very good and basic understanding of where to position your lights. Definitely. And I think I would just add to that some food photographers and product photographers. Oh, have, product photographers, yes. You know, because they're, mm-hmm. again, you're looking at a, a stationary object, um, maybe maybe photographing it from different angles, it's typically small uh, subject. And so that that's also really helpful. But one thing I would want to say, even though this episode, you know, is focused on, on lighting, I don't want folks to think okay, I'm just starting out. I got to go out and get all these lights. I think it's super (laughs) important. You know, I love that you have a desk lamp. Um, I I think that's awesome with that smart light bulb. I'm totally going to do that. But the other thing that I would really encourage folks to do is get to know your camera settings in such a way that you know how the the light is going to be natively to your camera, you know, without, without, artificial means of lighting your subject. What does it look like when you have, when you shoot wide open? You know, if you're, if I'm on my, um, 1.4 Fuji, um, 16 millimeter lens that has a very different feel shooting wide open than a lens that, um, you know, a fixed aperture like one of my lens baby lenses, I think is just 3.5. And, you know, so, kind of understanding that that triangle again, you know, the exposure triangle and and the connection between your aperture and your ISO and your shutter speed, just so you can see what the light does. And then, you know, when I say shooting wide open, um, if you're a total newbie, that just means the most light is coming into your sensor. And so that's going to be the lowest um, number in terms of f-stop. So an f 1.4 and f2 and now if you go all the way up to like an f22 it's going to be super sharp but you're going to have to compensate because that's going to be with a lot of lights um, <laughs> yes because you know the amount of light you're letting in is going to be less but you're going to have everything in focus you know if i'm shooting wide open i might struggle with focus a little bit but i might get that soft dreamy look and with a toy one toy that's not a big deal if i mm-hmm set up a group of toys that might be problematic. So right. understanding that before you race out and, and get lights, w- would you agree with that or? No, completely agree. Comple- I, I mean, I've seen, you know, going back to the behind the scenes shots, 
of some uh, uh, images that I'm I'm just blown away from, mm-hmm. and I look at their behind the scene videos, and they're using desk uh, desk lamps, or like the uh, flashlight <laughs> on their iPhone, or a flashlight, <laughs> oh yeah, or the flashlight on their iPhone. I think yeah. uh, going back to Alan, he I've seen him do that, yeah, or just a little simple flashlight kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like I mean, th- there's yeah, there's don't be like me and be a, a light. <laughs> <laughs> a light uh, <laughs> connoisseur, whatever you want to call it, that I just see a light and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Um, you know, I mean, if you have the means, by all, yeah, by all means, go ahead. Um, but you don't necessarily need that, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're just starting out. Um, yeah, yeah, desk lamps. Um, uh, even if you don't get a smart light bulb, even if it's just a regular light bulb, mm-hmm. it's still a light. Um, you know, learn to use the thing, you know, try to see if you can use the things around you. If you're shooting indoors, Mm -hmm. you know, your, your overhead light that might contribute, open up some windows Mm -hmm. that will contribute. Um, so there's so many different things that you can use without having to really dig in your pockets, uh, to get an expensive light. Um, but if you have the means, man, I mean, yeah, loom cubes, they're great. Mm -hmm. Aperture, those aperture ones. Again, we'll we'll link that in the mm-hmm. show notes. I, I absolutely love those lights. Um, yeah, it's uh, so many so many different options. It's just like the last episode talking about dioramas that right. you can you can go from very simple, very inexpensive to go all out and mm-hmm. you know spend the whole paycheck on something. Oh, it's absolutely. Up to, it's completely up to you. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. And and. I would say start paying attention to light. You know, if you're if you're working from home, um, and you're in your home all day, you know, I don't think I ever paid attention to light during how the light changed over the course of a day because I was always at work. And then with the pandemic, it's like, oh, that's a really cool shadow that that comes across my living room at X time. And, you know, and I would start using that in my in my photos. So pay attention to, you know, pay attention to the light in your home, pay attention to natural light and the way it, it looks outside, you know, winter light versus summer light and that harsh, you know, no one wants to do a photograph. You're never going to have a photo <laughs> booking at noon on a sunny day. I mean, it's just yeah. a harsh, harsh light. But, you know, I think the more that we pay attention to light and and really play with it and use it to our advantage, it it's just going to be transformative. And it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be artificial. Just start paying attention. You know, um, that's, that's certainly the advice that I, that I would give a newbie. And, and I'm glad I stumbled on Reggie's, uh, workshop when I did, you know, I was just starting out and, and it kind of made me go, okay, I guess I don't really need all this fancy stuff. I can just really be more mindful and more intentional and, and just pay more attention. Mm-hmm. Yep. Completely agree. So we are nearing um, the end of this episode, uh, coming up on the hour. And as I look, you know, this is episode five of our planned eight-part series. And I'm looking at our list of what's next. And it we, t- we touched on it a little bit, but editing and post-processing. And um, I'm excited for that because I think when you and I started these conversations in August, I was... I was one of those like, oh, I don't really like editing and and now I'm trying to get better. And I said, you know, I said to you, okay, I promise to to dabble before we air that episode. <laughs> and so, um, you know, if you're a newbie, it, it can be overwhelming. You're getting, but... you're getting into it, aren't you? You're getting into it. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Um, that's another rabbit hole. But yeah. I, you know, so we will, the next time we gather to meet, we will be talking about editing and post-processing. And then moving into just finding support in the building, in the, the community and finding inspiration. And then uh, we'll close out the series with a roundtable with photographers and, you know, how they began and advice for newbies. So. Sounds great. Okay. Well, it was great to fun. see you. Great to see you as well. Or speak to you. you speak to you. Yeah. Well, we're seeing <laughs> yeah. each other on Zoom. We're I seeing guess, each so. other on the screen. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I will talk to you soon. Take care. Same here. Take care, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more episodes or articles about toy photography, visit us at toyphotographers.com. 
The best way to connect with us on social media is on MeWe. Search for toyphotographers.com or find the link in the show notes. If MeWe's not your thing, visit us at Facebook, Toy Photographers, or on Twitter, at Toy Photo Blog, or on Instagram, at underscore Toy Photographers underscore. Thanks again for listening. 